0: I think the hardest part of having three children is just feeling like I can't wear all of the hats well. I constantly feel like I'm falling a little bit short.
1: I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs
2: we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself.
1: Today I'm excited to talk with Lauren and Megan from The Matrescence. This episode will meet the mothers in our audience with solidarity and also some tips to move forward. Motherhood is hard. It's ever changing. It's unpredictable. And speaking of being unpredictable, Amy is actually at home today with sick kiddos. And in these pandemic times, you guys, we have had multiple reschedules for several guests. And we knew that this episode needed to be in your ears, even if I had to be the one to jump on solo. So we'll be asking quite a few of questions on pandemic parenting. So the timing of Amy being out, it just all seems too fitting. So Lauren and Megan, your business together was born out of a desire to help other women navigate their personal experiences with motherhood, and then also providing this awesome community. So you speak on personal bouts with anxiety, depression, intrusive thoughts, and then also rage, which led you to create something that would help other women. And that idea of really creating positivity out of pain, it just rings so true in your brand. So I would love if you started with telling the story about how the Matrescence came to be and also share what the name actually means because it's kind of a mouthful.
0: Hi guys. Yeah, we are so excited to be here to tell you about the Matrescence and why we started it. The Matrescence was born out of a personal and professional recognition in the lack of support for moms, not just in the postpartum period, but across the spectrum from trying to conceive through infertility, miscarriage, loss, pregnancy, postpartum through a veteran mom of three, pulling her hair out and dealing with rage and burnout. We started the conversation with people around us and we realized that it wasn't just common that moms were struggling and it wasn't just in the immediate postpartum period. This was sisters, best friends, coworkers, people really close to us who were suffering in silence. So as a NICU nurse and someone who was seeing mom struggle in that aspect, and then coming off of my own personal struggle with debilitating postpartum anxiety, I knew I wanted to serve that space. So I decided to go back to psychiatric nurse practitioner school so that I could kind of buy myself some credibility and time to do the research. And as I've been going through that program, I opened up the conversation with Megan, who has more of a background in the marketing and kind of tech world. So my dream was always to open a physical space and kind of have an all-encompassing support space for moms. And as we kind of opened up the conversation, we knew that we could reach more moms if we can meet them where they're at, which is On their phones in the middle of the night, nursing those babies on the basement floor during those quarantines. And so we shifted and decided that a digital all encompassing support space for moms is what we wanted to do. So that's how the idea was born for the Matrescence platform. And the word literally means the process of becoming a mother. And we put a lot of thought into the name of our business and how we wanted people to think of it when they just saw the name. And it's supposed to kind of be like adolescence. So you get all of this grace in adolescence and all these changes are expected and you're supported through that period of kind of tumultuous change, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally and motherhood is kind of that same process. You're going through these immense changes and you just don't get the same support. You're kind of just expected to get through it and do it. And so kind of, you know, we love that word because we related so much to how it related to adolescence and all of those changes that you go through and think that women deserve that same kind of support.
1: What a beautiful overview. And even just the meaning behind the name of that process of becoming a mother. Like, I just, I love everything about that answer. And we have so much in common already with wanting to help the woman who is silently struggling all the way to building that community. Like, what you're doing in the world right now, it's so needed. And it's so needed by the person who is outright saying that they have postpartum anxiety all the way to the woman who is thinking, is this just me? Like, why me? And another thing that we all Have in common is that we recognize how important movement and exercise is. And we also know that we're speaking to women, most of whom are mothers with young kids. And it can be really hard for women in this season specifically to find the time to take care of themselves. So could you talk about your histories with movement with exercise? Because I know it's definitely evolved throughout your motherhood journeys.
2: Absolutely. And it's still evolving, you know, we're (laughs) a work in progress there. So For me, I always viewed exercise through a physical lens. It was for the physical benefits and it wasn't a healthy relationship. It was a punishment and reward system. So I would often catch myself being like, oh, there's a cupcake in the break room. I'll do 20 extra minutes on the elliptical tonight. Or if we're going to go get pizza and drinks with friends, maybe I'll do a two a day tomorrow. And it would just never was enough. It never was enough. If I was going to work out. It needed to be 45, 60 minutes, high intensity, sweat, no pain, no gain mentality. And I think that's what has evolved the most for me is really learning to honor and respect my body and listen to what it needs. And it's funny because the benefits actually come when you listen to your
1: body and give it what it's craving and what it needs versus forcing it to do hard things all the time. Yes. That forcing the punishment. I think that answer right there, Megan resonated with so many women because so many of us can remember those times, or maybe we're in them right now where you are doing something because of something that you ate or because you don't feel good about yourself. So you're pushing yourself into this unrealistic expectation. And it's when you finally give yourself grace and love yourself and work out and move because you love yourself that's when the progress starts to show and that's when it starts to feel so darn good. Absolutely. I really enjoyed some of the material that you two sent over about the barriers that exist when becoming a mother. So whether that be the mom who is in physical pain and she needs to heal before moving and exercising or even that pregnant woman who she's so scared to move during pregnancy worrying about her baby. So these are the reasons that Amy and her sister started expecting and empowered. They knew that women needed better guidance and that they also needed some safe guidance. But I wanna talk more about a few of the really common ones that come up. So one of them being mom guilt. The guilt that comes around taking the time to work out, I know so much of our community feels this heaviness and really also shifting away from this all or nothing mindset. So can you talk about how you help women work on their mindset around movement? And then also what some of your favorite reframes are? Yes.
2: So first, a quick shout out to Expecting Empowered. I found their Instagram account between my first and second pregnancies. And I was floored with the lack of information that I had on recovering from an emergency C-section. So Crystal's tips literally changed the game. On number two, I felt so much more empowered and knowledgeable and in control, and it was a much better recovery. So I'm a big fan and supporter of an expecting and empowered. But I also think that the true key is shifting that mindset. So like we mentioned, shifting from the physical benefits and focus on the mental benefits. Take a second and really do a check in and consider how you feel emotionally before and after that workout. Oftentimes, I'm not in a great headspace before, or I'm stressed, or I'm going back to some of those former habits of thinking of my body negatively or trying to punish me. And I stop and I pause. I'm like, okay, every time I work out, I feel happier, I'm more patient, the fog lifts, and that makes me a better mom. And so I think whenever we take a second and realize why we're doing it and that that serves our family, too, that it makes it a little bit easier to push past that guilt. And then secondly, guilt is when you've done something wrong. If you've stolen a car, you will have guilt And that encourages you to correct the wrong. So I think we've just established that how you feel, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you taking time to do something that's good for you and for your whole family. So I think really reframing that there's a lot of mental benefits that come into it and not just physical first, second of all, ditch the all or nothing mentality Implement the two degree shift. Those small changes can have big impact. And I know that was something that was very hard for me. You know, when you're like, okay, I'm four to six weeks out and you have that number in your head of how much you've gained and you're like, I got to lose it. I got to lose it. And when you go all or nothing, you set yourself back. So just doing those 10-minute walks with a friend or building yourself up to something more attainable and a 60-minute guided run on the Expecting Empowered app might be in your future. But you really have to ditch the all or nothing and focus on those tiny, small changes that will make a big difference in the long run. And lastly, what we love to do is... We're modeling healthy behavior for our kiddos. Those kids, they notice, they comment. Lauren's son has actually gotten into the Peloton recently. He does <laughs> five minute rides. It's the cutest thing ever. Our kids will ask, you know, about your muscles are being strong and running faster. And we try to encourage them that, yes, those are reasons that we work out, but also mommy needs a break sometimes, and then mommy needs some time to herself and then she'll come back and play with you. So I think we want that for our children as well. We wouldn't want them to sacrifice everything and have that martyr
1: attitude. So I think that is the the third one that I find very helpful on those tough days. So helpful. And for those of us who maybe grew up in households that we didn't have that mother or that parent who was taking time for themselves and was taking time to move, sometimes it it affects us. Like we look at that as being guilty. We look at that from that mom guilt lens. But if we can just reframe that and say, you know what? I'm doing this for me. And I also want my kids to know that they can take some time for themselves. We can create a next generation that is finally going to do that for themselves. I also loved the point of the 2%. So just that 2% shift for the people in our audience who are black and white thinkers, that all or nothing mentality, making that small change. I love that. That was so good. So let's go into this even further. So what are some of the reasons that you recommend Mothers Move and maybe what does it have to do with their mental health?
0: Yeah. Like Megan said, I like to get kind of nerdy on this subject because it's both, it's two things that I'm so passionate about. Mental health, obviously through personal experience is something that I've dealt with even you know before kids and pregnancy. And then movement and sports and exercise has always been a part of my life. Not always a healthy relationship like we already talked about, but something that I've always been really passionate about. So as I've been going through my program and really looking at the research and not just you know telling women to exercise or telling women to move your body, I feel like we get a lot of that and we're kind of inundated with that message, but why? Why is exercise and movement a really crucial piece of your mental health toolbox, and why is it such an effective tool? So kind of reading into the research and figuring out you know tangible and giving women real advice and real reasons why this should be part of your mental health toolbox is definitely a passion point for me. So I was recently listening to a TED talk by Dr. Susie Suzuki. And she is a professor of neuroscience and psychology and has dedicated her life to researching movement and your mental health. And she talked about how it was a free 401k for your brain. It is like that. It is a free tool and there are a million ways to implement it into your life. There's immediate effects. There's long lasting effects. It can quite literally change the function and the anatomy of your brain. So some of the immediate effects of moving your body are those floods of feel-good hormones and neurotransmitters that you get. So whether you're doing a 10-minute brisk walk outside, you're stretching, or you're doing a 45-minute you know, cardio session, you're gonna get those surge of some of those feel-good hormones, the dopamine and the serotonin, the norepinephrine or noradrenaline. So those are some of those immediate effects that can last up to two hours after a sweat session. So you are gonna get those immediate feel good. Like Megan said, after I work out, I ditch the mom guilt because I know that one hour to myself is going to make me a better mom for the rest of the day. I'm going to be more present. There's not going to be that layer of fog. I'm going to be more patient. I can tell a difference in the type of mom I am. When I do take that hour to myself, you're going to have a better mood, a quicker reaction time, and just better focus. So for those hours that you are present, you're going to be more present. Long-term, it actually can change the anatomy of your brain. So one thing that they've seen in the science is that your hippocampus, which is a part of your brain that actually regulates your mood, is smaller in people with depression. And so when you're exercising, this is actually, it can stimulate growth and healing of your brain. It can create new connections and really help create newer, healthier cells in your brain. So you can actually heal that hippocampus and help it to grow and function better. So there's actually some really cool science behind long-term effects of exercise on your brain. It also increases brain-derived neurotrophic factors, which are a protein that helps with brain health. This can help prevent dementia and things later in life. It helps with your brain health and memory. This has also been found in the literature to be low in people with depression. So this helps to increase it. So I think, I mean, exercise in motherhood has been such a valuable tool in our mental health toolkit. And I think that even if you don't, struggle with clinical depression or anxiety or mental illness, motherhood can be stressful. You know, it's such a joyful chapter, but it can also be tumultuous and it can be stressful. And I feel like especially the state of the world that we're living in right now, motherhood is hard. And then you add in a global pandemic and all the uncertainty that has come along with that. And it's even harder. So I feel like even if you don't struggle clinically we're all kind of in this stress state. So this can kind of be one of those non pharmacological or, you know, without medication tools that you can use that is effective and can be free and has just been such a vital piece of my mental health toolbox.
1: I love how nerdy you got right there. That was awesome. (laughs) A lot of multiple syllable words right there. But what we can all (laughs) gather is that for those of you who do have that irritability, you are having that brain fog day after day after day. For those of you who may have clinical depression or are looking for a non-med way to give yourself some help to prevent some of these issues from coming, exercise statistically, the research proves that this can be the thing that, like you said, can be free at your fingertips right now, it can be as easy as going for a walk. So if you can gather anything from this, you guys, it's take this episode on a walk with you. Like this is what you should be doing. You guys, this is what you should be doing every single day. Just a little bit of movement to make sure that these issues don't become big issues, but more importantly, that we can prevent some of them from happening in the very first place. And now a break from our longest standing partner, which is BetterHelp Therapy. As you are well aware, Amy and I are huge advocates of getting counseling and the mental health help that every woman listening needs and deserves. And in our conversation today with Lauren and Megan, we are touching on some pretty heavy subjects. We are touching on anxiety and intrusive thoughts, postpartum depression. And if these are pieces that, you know, they've been with you for a while, You've been wondering if talking to a therapist could help. Let this be your nudge to say, you know what, this is the time, this is the year, this is the day that I'm going to do something for myself and show up in the best ways that I can be so I can help those who are around me. There are over a million people using BetterHelp. I personally talk to my counselor on a weekly basis or at least use the chat feature, but it's so nice because you can chat with them, you can use the video feature, or you can go for a walk and call them on the phone. So it's just been a great way to get rid of the waiting lines and the long wait to get into a therapist and start getting the help that you need right away. So our listeners do get 10% off their first month by going to betterhelp.com herself. Again, that's 10% off at betterhelphelpcom slash herself. So let's switch gears a little bit here on your Instagram account. I saw this quote and it just it hit home. It said in the end, I'm the only one who can give my child a happy mother who loves life. So all of us have three children and we know how time demanding that can be. But I think we're all on this mission to make sure that women understand that putting themselves last. That is not the best thing that we can be doing for our families. Our mental health, our physical health, those matter too. So can you guys expand on this quote?
2: Yeah, that quote really hit home to us too. And firstly, just want everyone to remember that all your feelings around motherhood are valid. So we'll do a full stop there. They are valid and we know it's hard. We've covered that. But one saying that I'd like to share, it's from a partner provider we recently worked with. She's a therapist. She said someone was asking about this toxic positivity and she's like, no, no, it sucks, but don't get stuck in the suck. So honor it, sit in it, and then move on focus on what you can control and let go of everything else ruminating on what ifs or should haves or you know the decision fatigue that we're all experiencing right now is not productive but finding ways to either ask for help or to move on and focus on the things you can control is important. And asking for help can feel very scary. That's something it took me a couple kiddos to finally get around to doing. It's not a sign of weakness. It does not mean that you are failing. It's actually a sign of emotional intelligence. Being able to point to a problem and identify a solution that can help is way more beneficial than beating yourself up In your head over and over about the decisions that you make. Decisions are tough right now. So I think, yeah, that line, don't get stuck in the suck, helps us sometimes.
1: Can I tattoo that on my arm? I think I need that on my arm. Yeah. (laughs) A little reminder every single day, right? (laughs) On your Instagram, I also see that you post about postpartum anxiety quite a bit. And you mentioned that it might look like uncontrollable worry, impending doom, or that feeling that something horrible is going to happen. The inability to sleep, the inability to relax, racing intrusive thoughts, that worst case scenario thinking, or being easily annoyed or highly irritable. Like Even just reading that list, I think some of our listeners are checking the boxes of, uh, that's me, uh, that one too. Oh, yep. That one happened to me. And we've covered postpartum anxiety on the podcast before, but one question that I have for you is, how do you distinguish between normal worry and anxiety, especially in these COVID times, when it seems like some level of worry is present for most moms? Right.
0: And I think this is, like you said, such an important topic right now, because we're all dealing with kind of this level of uncertainty and all of these decisions and nobody really knows which direction to turn each given day. So I think this is such an important conversation. For me, I worked in healthcare and had a support system that you would dream of. And my mom lives down the street and my sister lives across the street. And I still struggled horribly with postpartum anxiety, and I think it was because in my head and in the education that we receive in the postpartum period, it is all kind of centered around those depressive symptoms, and anxiety is something that can go hand in hand with depression, but can look completely different. I loved my baby and functioned well during the day. I didn't have trouble with the bonding. I wasn't crying constantly. So in my head, I wasn't struggling. Looking back, I completely missed the first year of my son's life, my middle son, and It's so interesting how different it manifested and how I had no idea that that was actually a postpartum illness. So I would say the main thing is that it is interfering with your daily functioning. You're having trouble falling asleep, even though you're exhausted or you're having trouble staying asleep and you wake up with kind of these just constant worries in the background, this background noise, you aren't getting along with loved ones or loved ones are realizing that you are more anxious or you're not yourself. You're kind of a shell of yourself. You could be like constantly seeking reassurance from people around you or from providers. Very normal to call your and ask your pediatrician a question. But if it's constant and you're constantly kind of dreaming up things about your baby or yourself and making appointments or you're spending hours a day checking your baby's breathing or reading about things on the internet and kind of doing that Google diving, panic attacks or physical symptoms. If you're having you know, that racing heart and that inability to really relax. For me, mine were just catastrophic intrusive thoughts at night. So everyone else would go to sleep. The nighttime anxiety would set in and I'd be nursing that baby every three hours. And then in between I was looking on the internet and getting lost on Google discussion boards from several years back, looking for validation on how I was feeling. It was kind of in the form of just catastrophic thoughts about my health and the health of my kids. And it just spiraled. The lack of sleep in combination with this anxiety was really debilitating. It got to the point where I was planning funerals in my head and picturing my life or my kids' lives without me or without them and really got to a really dark place before I finally realized that it wasn't normal. So the entire reason behind this platform that we created is so that we can help other moms avoid these pitfalls. It doesn't have to get as severe as what I dealt with to need more support, you know, to have these conversations and to really educate your support system and yourself on what to look for so that you don't get to these pitfalls that we faced.
1: Yeah. And instead of going to Dr. Google, they can be surrounded with real support that comes from you and the community that you've built. These conversations can be really tough. It can be
0: embarrassing, I think there's still a lot of shame. I think the stigma is starting to be broken down and people are starting to talk about it more, which I love. But I also know that, you know, even as a really extroverted person who's pretty open about my life and how I'm feeling, it was still really hard. It took a lot of work to put that vulnerability out there. And then the resounding, oh my God, me too. I dealt. And then the stories just came flooding in. I mean, that's what really led me to be like, okay, I want to serve this space. How do I do it? Like we said, it was not just common. It was like everyone around me had dealt with some degree of, you know, the anxiety or the depression or one of the other things we talked about.
1: And it really just starts with having that one person voice their personal experience to have that woman, like we talked about before, who is silently suffering stand up and feel like she can have her voice and she can actually speak her truth so thank you for doing that because it allows more women to be able to step into their truth and get the help that they need and get the help that that they actually deserve in all of this motherhood can be so hard (laughs) it can be so hard that we need to have that little bit of help from people like you who are doing the right things for the right reasons
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And your toolbox is going to change throughout seasons. It's not always going to look the same. We've had six very different experiences in motherhood and our toolbox has looked different for each of us and through each different child, as far as what we use to feel better. You know, it can be The exercise that we talked about, the support system, medication, therapy, there's all these different things. So kind of figuring out what you need in your toolbox at each given point and being able to have a safe space to have those conversations would have been so crucial for me.
1: Uh, Amy and I talk about that all the time how we have children who are about the same age, yet every single one of them came with a different experience because they're different human beings. They have different parents like Amy and I are very different individuals so we can look at the exact same situation in a different way and there's no right or wrong. It's just what's going to work for you that toolkit that you bring up. I like that part of it and a quick break from our sponsor, which is Third Love. So the new year, it's a time of reorienting our lives so that we can really focus on the things that we value. And one thing that both Amy and I value, as you guys know, is comfort. And Third Love does comfort so that you can do you. Everything from their bras and underwear and activewear and the feel-good all-day wear, it's really designed to hug better, hold stronger, and support longer. So Third Love, they have obsess over every single stitch so that we never have to think about how something feels, looks, or wears. There's over 100,000 five-star reviews, you guys. This product, it definitely doesn't lie. And a fun little story. So late December, when our family was in quarantine for COVID, we got our third love order in. Amy ordered us the cutest things, and she dropped it off at our front door. At that point, I'd been living in my husband's sweatpants and a T-shirt that I'd been wearing for three days straight. And you guys, it was just such a breath of fresh air. She had picked out the Weekend Terry jogger for me, and right now they're on sale for $27. I paired it with the Open Back relaxed Tee, which isn't only cute, but it is so comfortable as well. So thank you, Amy, for always choosing just the perfect outfit that hit me at the exact right time. And our listeners do get a discount. So if you want to try out Third Love as well, head over to thirdlove.com slash herself and you'll get 20% off your first order. Again, that's thirdlove.com slash herself. Another thing that we've been talking about quite a bit is this invisible load, and we know a lot of women in our community have this heavy invisible load on their shoulders. And in a way, it feels heavier right now more than ever since we're parenting during a pandemic I mean Amy couldn't even be on this interview because she's at home with sick kids right now having a child miss daycare or school the possibility of school going virtual like should I go to this birthday party all these thoughts can weigh on us and we can think about we can think about tomorrow in like that doom or gloom mentality of like what is going to happen tomorrow what's going to happen to my work life what's going to happen to my family so I'd love to hear about what struggles the two of you have had when it comes to this thing of the invisible load? And then also how you work through it. Like what recommendations do you have for our audience?
2: It is heavy right now and could be for a while. So I think what I've really try to stick to is the golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated and that's with respect. We are all doing our best right now. I don't think anyone's maliciously sending their kid to school with an unknown fever or what have you, or going to the birthday party that you might not have gone to. There's no way for you to know what's going on, the full picture of someone else's household. So everyone's doing their best right now. And just give yourself grace and give everyone else a little grace as well. Uh, The invisible load is interesting. Pandemic um, for my household, we've like switched our roles and responsibilities. I was typically the researcher and this is what formula we're going to use. This is the stroller we're going to buy. This is the daycare we're going to go to. And now with my husband in healthcare, he has taken on that role and he makes the expert decisions. So I've been eliminated a little bit from the decision fatigue, but I am now the executor. So daycare closures, backup care, what have you is on my plate. So we've been kind of working through that it really is all the same as the the same stuff struggles that we had when we first had our kid and we were living in a blissful 2016 was communication. Communication was the key. I found myself getting very resentful. I'm like, how can you not know that I need you to wash all these bottles for daycare? Can you see them? Look at that. Come on. Can't you? It is very obvious. And so I would huff and puff and slam the dishwasher and do these things that were not productive. So when we finally learned to communicate and I very, Bluntly will just ask for what I need or tell him. That has been huge for us. But within that communication, we've also realized that we have to have a common threshold of what's acceptable. Because like you, I am a type A person. So how I fold laundry or load the dishwasher looks very different than how he does it. It looks way better.
1: (laughs) It does. It does. However, (laughs) however. I have
2: now realized the time that I get back from him taking on those tasks and doing them from start to finish is way worth wrinkles or my beloved Lululemon's getting dried. I forget, you know, like it's okay. It looks different, but I would much rather have that time and that free headspace for whether it's doing nothing and just being calm for once or working on our business or loving on my kiddos like that time is so precious and valuable that we have come to a common ground of what neat and messy looks like and how we work through that. So I think those are my two tips is you have to communicate and
1: find that balance. Eve Rodsky speaks on that in her book Fair Play so well and that minimum standard and people like us Megan we can think that what we're doing how we fold it how we fill in the blank it's definitely better but can I tell you guys you know what's the best having someone else take it off your plate completely and being able to carry on with your life and get that figured out. And yes, it can feel good to huff and puff and slam that dishwasher door. But again, what feels better is establishing that communication and figuring out what's going to work better for you long-term as a couple, better for both of you long-term.
2: could not agree more. Definitely recommend that book to everyone. I know you guys are big fans as well. And I'm halfway through Unicorn Space and loving it as well.
1: So I would encourage everyone to pick those up. Ah, So good. On our show, we have people asking for more normal or real moms. And I'm doing quotes over here, guys. You can't see us because we're on video, but (laughs) we want this experience from people who are just like our listeners. So I would love if you both spoke on what you think the hardest part about having three kids is, and then also what you do to make it less hard. This is such
0: an important thing for us to talk about because we want to be relatable. We want people to feel like they can reach out to us and that we're right here to support them. We are just a couple of normal mamas going through it as well. We've struggled. Motherhood is the most joyful chapter for both of us, but those feelings can coexist. This feeling of stress and burnout and rage can exist right alongside all of those happy moments. So knowing that you aren't alone, if you are feeling just exhausted in your role as a mom, I think the hardest part of having three children is just Feeling like I can't wear all of the hats well. I constantly feel like I'm falling a little bit short. You know, motherhood is such a huge hat to wear. And then if you're trying to also be a wife and a daughter and a sister and a friend and a student right now, I'm wearing that hat. And it has been so hard to just not feel like you're constantly falling short in each of those categories. So I feel like one thing that I've really been trying to be mindful of is accepting the support, reaching out to people. And that's something that I think we've both gotten better at through motherhood. I feel like with the first, especially it can feel kind of like you have to be able to do it all. And you want to kind of put up this persona that you're super woman. And we are not meant to do this alone. We are biologically wired to raise our kids in a village. And that village has been really hard to define, especially in a pandemic.
1: And mm-hmm.
0: so I think the biggest thing that I've done and the biggest mindset shift that I've made is receiving the help. And then when I'm able offering the help to others, So whether that's, you know, watching Megan's kids so she can run to the gym or having her pick up my grocery order, things like that, that just can seem like small mundane tasks, but they can take off so
1: much weight. I like what you said there, Lauren, with the when you're able. So it's like you're accepting the help. And then when you are able to give the help, then offer it. Like what a beautiful way of looking at life from both lenses. And then what about for you, Megan?
2: I'd say the hardest part for me and having three kiddos is the neediness and the demands. Like literally from the time I open my eyes to laying my head on the pillow, someone's asking me a question or tugging at my leg. And it can just be a lot some days that I'm like, I just want silence and someone to stop touching me. I think that's been really hard. And what has also been challenging for me, and you touched on it a little bit is they're all their own individual human beings. And my first two are like Jacqueline Hyde. They could not be more different. And I have had to really learn how to parent them differently, like how they receive love, how they want to show love. It's, it's been interesting. And I think, the tool for me is always mindset shifts and honoring that this is really hard right now, but I'm starting to see like the light at the end of the tunnel when they get their own cup of water or no one asked me to wipe their booty. Like <laughs> they're getting there and then we're going to miss that. And then that doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard in three years. Like those demands are going to shift. We're going to be, you know, running to all the activities and doing all the things just differently. So I'm really trying to soak in these really long days. I know it's cliche, but dang, those days are long and the years are so short. So I'm trying to soak that in and enjoy this snuggle time at home before it's go, go,
1: go. (laughs) I think so much of our audience can relate to both of your answers in different ways. So it's just It's so neat having different perspectives on this podcast amy she has talked about those demands in the past of just always being needed she has three little boys at home and someone always needs their booty wiped or someone to fill their cup or somebody's running into the other person's yard and they need to be captured and brought back and then yeah lauren just what you said with just those little steps that we can take to help ourselves and then also help the community like those answers just giving so much inspiration to our community and i think that one just Overall thing that we have talked about in this episode is that motherhood is hard for every single one of us. So if you feel like you're silently struggling, know that you're not alone and know also that if you voice up, there may be people around you who will also be able to start to voice up and just be in that community when, like you said, the village is hard right now. It's extra hard in this pandemic parenting world right now to find that village, but we can slowly start to work that village and start to create that village in our own lives. So thank you both so much for being on. Let our audience know where they can find more of you.
2: Yes, we'd love to have you join us on Instagram at The Matressens. And if you want to learn more about our community memberships, you can head over to our
1: website, com. Perfect. And we'll make sure to include those in our show notes since we know the matricence is a little bit of a hard word to say. So thank you both again for your real life experience, but then also for bringing in your expert knowledge. It's these episodes that are just so refreshing for our listeners to hear. Thank you guys. Thanks for having us.